Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 10th episode of the Useless Doctors Book Club. I'm Sarah. I'm Pooja. And I'm Harshini. And in this podcast, we read books and tell you what we think about them and whether we would recommend them for you. And in this episode, we are reading Kafka on the Shore by Haruki Murakami. And I picked this book. It's one of my favorite books. Um, So yeah, let's get into it with Pooja giving the spoiler-free summary. All right. Okay. So Kafka on the Shore kind of follows these two different uh, main characters. On one hand, we have Kafka, who's this teenage boy. And at the beginning of the book, he kind of runs away from home. Um, given like there, he's trying to like escape this sort of like edible prophecy that's like, you know, following him for his whole life. And he's trying to find, um, you know, his long lost mother and sister. Uh, and then on the other hand, we're following this other character named Nakata, who's this like elderly man who, um, it's very evident that he has, uh, some form of a developmental disability, um, and, you know, like due to like a experience that he had when he was quite young, um, which is like kind of delved into, but not really. Um, and then he is, you know, like an expert at finding cats. That's kind of like his main job, but like he, he's kind of like well-beloved within his community and that sort of thing. So we're following these two characters and then um, they end up like their paths kind of converge at one point. And, you know, all of this weirdness and crazy things keep happening at one point, like fish are falling from the sky. It's a very, very surreal, absurdist book, but I don't want to delve too much into it because I feel like I might accidentally give some spoilers. Um, So, yeah, so I'm just going to keep it as vague as possible. Yeah. All right, so we'll get into our spoiler-free reviews, and particularly with this book, I was actually the only one who was reading it for the first time, and as Sarah said, she loves this book. Pooja is not so much of a fan of this book, and I am kind of the tiebreaker, so I will save my thoughts for the end, but Pooja, tell us you know, after kind of reflecting, what are your actual reviews of this book and why? Okay, so I read this book the first time about a year ago, um, and it had like been on my like to be read list for quite some time because I've read Haruki Murakami books before, and I really love one of his other books called Norwegian Wood. And I was like super excited to read this book because I was like, oh my God, I love that book. I think this book is going to be great. However, if you've been listening to this podcast for quite some time, like I, for some reason, don't like really love super like magical realism or absurdist things in books. Sometimes it seems to work. Sometimes it doesn't. And I think this was one of those like miss books for me. Like I just didn't understand a lot of it. And so yeah, that was one layer. The other layer was just like, I don't know, I just didn't necessarily like connect with any of the characters. I There were parts where I was just genuinely bored. Like, I think I it took me like four months to read this book. <laughs> the first time I read it, I was like, this is so 
slow paced, I guess. It's like too slow for my taste. Um, but yeah, I think like, I don't know, I have a lot more thoughts, but I'm going to get more into that into the spoiler part. Um, but overall, I would give this book three stars. I think it was like pretty run of the mill. It wasn't necessarily bad, but I didn't enjoy it. It was just kind of like dull. Like I was bored basically. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of my spoiler free review. Sarah, what did you think? Okay. So as we all know, I like this book, so I'm going to give it a five stars. <laughs> my first five stars of the podcast. And it's, I don't know. I feel like I disagree. With, I mean, I know Pooja doesn't like, like, surreal things but in books but i i do to a certain extent like if the author does it well and in this case like i love haruki murakami as an author as is and this is definitely my favorite book from him because i just oh i was about to give away a spoiler <laughs> I, it's really hard to do without spoilers because I think a huge part of why I love this book is because of the ending um I also love Nakata I think he's the sweetest most genuine and lovable person ever <laughs> I mean he's just living his life talking to cats helping people find their lost cat like how could you not love a sweet old guy like that. Okay, is he more lovable than Detective Kaga? <laughs> I knew you're gonna say. It's really hard to say. I think, um, you know, I think maybe Detective Kaga is more lovable. Um, but you know, Kaga. I mean, uh, Nagata is definitely up there. He's maybe honestly maybe they're on equal levels because they're both wholesome people that care about other people yeah i i don't know this review is really hard without me saying any spoilers <laughs> but i just i like the weirdness of this book i honestly <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's meant to be understood or if I'm just dumb, but I don't, I don't understand a lot of this book. But to me, I don't mind it. Like, I think I'm enjoying it, you know, vibing through it, even if I don't understand it. And I, I personally didn't ever think this book was boring, but I also listened to it both times on a podcast at 1.3 speed. So maybe if I was legit reading it, I would be like skimming more on certain parts instead of just like ignoring a part that I was not interested in and <laughs> focusing on something else. So yeah, I was I was entertained the whole time. I love the storytelling in this. And yeah. Hashini, what do you think? All right. So I really, I feel like, you know, I, I knew in my head, and I think this is actually not like the best thing in general, because we try not to talk about our 
reviews of the book before the podcast but I definitely knew in the back of my head like you know Sarah loves this book Pooja doesn't really like this book as much not that it had like a super big effect on what I thought but at the same time I think I was kind of like I don't know it just it just kind of influences things a bit but um I will say like kind of leading up to like basically my reading process of this book in the beginning I definitely was like I am not really sure what's going on. (laughs) There are different chapters and I realized every other chapter was, you know, the different two different main characters. But in the beginning, it it was hard to get that. So I think towards like not the super beginning, but the like middle beginning part, um, I was kind of like not as interested, not really like knowing what the book was about and that's another thing I don't even not that the summary on Goodreads give any information but I didn't read that at all I just went into this book completely blind knowing it was weird but that's it I had no idea like who any of the characters were or anything like that so I think in that way in the beginning it was hard for me to get into the book once I kind of got into the story I definitely liked it a lot more and I was really engaged by the end I was excited to kind of find out what happened at the end I want to say I really thought (laughs) that I was more leaning towards Sarah of I really like this book but in the end I did give it a 3.75 which I think puts me in on the side of Pooja at her three-star rating, which honestly, I'm a little surprised that Pooja gave it a three stars rather than lower, but you know, we'll get into that. (laughs) But I think, um, yeah, I I think the book was really good. And this kind of, I compared it also to my, to the first book we read. And I was like, I don't know if I like it more or not, but definitely I think they were the same way where I really enjoyed um, dial A for aunties, but there were some things about it that kind of bothered me. And I think one of the things Sarah brought up of not really understanding what happened is definitely something I have trouble with. I want to just vibe with the book, but part of me is just like trying to put the pieces together. And I think the thing was the book definitely had a plot. There was definitely things that were intersecting and I was trying to figure out what was going on. What was the relationship between Kafka and Nakata because we are Nakata. Sorry. I realized I said it wrong in my head the entire time. Nakata? Is that how you say it? Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. So I was trying to figure out what was going on between the two of them and how they were connected. And in the end, I feel like not not really knowing what happened or like kind of what what the underlying point was of the book made me kind of bump it down a bit but I would definitely you know on Goodreads round this up to four stars I think in general I'm between the two of you and that I did really enjoy a good chunk of this book but yeah being bored in the beginning parts of the book and not really understanding certain things put me more to the side of um the three star rating that Pooja gave but any responses anything we want to talk about before spoilers okay I didn't realize that saying that these stories intertwine is not a spoiler <laughs> that's what I was gonna say 
I think my favorite part about the book is that these stories intertwine and I like the way that they intertwine. Like I, I remember the first time I was reading this book, I was like, I literally do not understand how these stories are related at all. And I really like how the author like intertwined them. And I think the author is just like really creative and I don't know. I'm just really, <laughs> I just really like this book. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's not a spoiler in that they're both in the same book. So something is going on between the two of them. But to be honest, we will definitely get into that. And I, I don't know, maybe I'll find some stuff out in this discussion that, that might change my opinion. But with that said, I think we are ready to get into the spoilers because there is a lot to talk hey. about with this book. Go ahead. Dave for recommending this book. Oh, sorry. I always forget that part. <laughs> Sarah, would you? <laughs> I think everyone knows. My answer is yes. Unless you don't like super weird books, then like if you like classic cliche, like this happens in real life, then you obviously are not going to like this book. But I don't know. I love this book, so I would recommend it. What about you, Pooja? See, this is okay. I've, I also had a response to your pre, to the previous thing, so thank you for moving on very quickly. <laughs> wow, the shade! No shade! No shade! <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like basically, I've. Uh, I guess we can also talk about it in the spoiler section. But would I recommend this book? I don't think. I think like there is a very specific audience for this book. And I don't think that's everyone though. Um, this is like, Haruki Murakami is like pretty known for writing like kind of weird, like magical realism, absurd stuff. And the only book of his that isn't that, which is Norwegian Wood is the one that I love the most. <laughs> so like goes to show something, but also I've read some of his other short stories and like they're kind of more magical realism. And I got along well with those as well. So like, I think it's just very specifically this particular storyline that was an issue for me. Um, but yeah, but I, I think I think I would recommend it for a certain like group of people. Like I think I think if you if you're a fan of Japanese literature in general, you should definitely check this out. And then if you are if you're into like weird books, definitely I would I would check this out as well. But it's a very specific type of reader, I think would be the person to enjoy this. But yeah. Yeah, I, I basically echo what Pooja says. I, I do think not everyone will like this book, but I also want to say when we talk about weird, because before I read this book, I didn't know exactly what weird meant, but, you know, we read that book, Night Bitch, that was also very weird, and this is weird in a different way, so just so you know, this is more so there are weird things happening, and I think obviously they aren't you know, intertwined into the story, but whereas Night Bitch had like one concept that was, you know, weird from the summary. Like, I think this book is more weird things happening and some stuff you're just like, what? But I think it's a little bit more tied to, I don't know, I, I it's more tied to an overall story that is I want to say a bit more relatable. It's not really relatable, 
but like there are themes in the story I guess there were in I bitch as well that you know I think can relate to you know people's normal lives but I would say there is like a lot of different weird things going on so just just to if that helps at all I don't know if it really did but whatever (laughs) um okay oh oh, oh, I don't remember if we said this but there is a content warning that there is rape in this book so um yeah just a fair warning all right so if you want to check this book out go for it um we're now going to get into the spoiler section and I I feel like this book there are definitely a lot of different weird things happening there are things happening throughout the book but I kind of want to steer this conversation in a somewhat chronological order which we might not stick to but I did write down everything that happened in the book so that I could keep track of all the things that happened so starting off in the beginning basically we have Kafka he I don't know what his actual name is. He never tells us, but he gives himself the name Kafka and he basically runs away. We find out out in the beginning, he's running away from home and he gets on this bus, I think Uh, it's a bus or a train. Um, And on this bus, he meets Sakura. Am I saying that right? Okay. Oh yeah. According to the audiobook, is Sakura. Sakura okay well I'm glad you read the audio or listened to the audiobooks (laughs) not totally mispronouncing okay Sakura um who's just this other girl um who's going to I don't remember the town but she lives somewhere and Kafka doesn't really have any specific place to go so after you know he kind of stays in a hotel for a while tries to like you know do his thing um but he ends up going to stay with um, Sakura after this mysterious time where he wakes up and he's like has blood on his shirt and it's like a lot of blood. He's very confused because he just wakes up in the middle of some other place, not where he actually went to sleep. And so he kind of gets freaked out a little bit. And then on the other storyline, we also have Nakata. I'm saying that right. Okay, Nakata. Yeah. who is this other older guy and he is pretty strange but very very lovable as Sarah said and we realize that in the beginning he kind of they're like telling the story of this freakish incident where a bunch of kids went to go mushroom hunting and the teacher was accompanying them and like leading them up to this area and randomly they all kind of pass out and they wake up after some time but we find out that Nakata is the one guy who like ends up kind of in a coma like he doesn't actually wake up for weeks um and now he's like this cat whisperer guy and he's hunting cats and then the whole John Wall hunting cats not hunting cats I'm sorry find their lost cats I was like he's trying to kill these cats yeah Uh, yeah sorry I I meant hunting as in searching for and safely bringing them to back to their homes but there's a cat hunter who is John this guy Johnny Walker and it's such a weird situation because Johnny Walker is just 
this weird guy that he comes across when he's trying to look for this specific cat and Johnny Walker is trying to he's killing a bunch of cats eating their hearts making this flute of souls and I was just like I don't even know what that means but Nakata kills Johnny Walker okay honestly I don't even know how to I I don't know I'm gonna stop there and you guys tell me if you have any thoughts about that obviously this directly connects to kind of the stuff after about the death um of of Kafka's father but what did you guys think about that whole beginning part slash what what did you get out of it (laughs) Okay, I'll go. <laughs> um, okay, so the thing is, like, I I know, like, Sarah is a really big fan of Nakada. However, I personally thought Kafka's chapters were more interesting. Like, I, I don't know why. I just thought he was such... Kafka just seems like such an asshole. <laughs> like, he just seems yeah, like I was, the worst. Yeah. I was going to ask you guys if you thought... Kafka was like a relatable or likable person so weird like I don't even know like I don't even know how to like understand it like he just seems so weird and the thing is like I don't I think like I don't know I actually wanted to ask you guys both of this like in like in Kafka's chapters particularly like the author feels the need to describe everything he does like he's he doesn't just like wake up right no he like wakes up and like he brushes his teeth and then he puts on a shirt and then he puts on his pants and then he eats his thing and then like the author tells you like when he's doing his laundry and like every single time he eats a meal and like every small action that he does and I'm just like why (laughs) like I feel like that adds to your boredom to the like to to you don't care I don't you can just tell me that he woke up and went here you don't need to tell me like he took 365 steps to get to this one thing all right I think you're being a little dramatic (laughs) oh Sarah you listened to it you didn't read every single sentence that was like okay yeah and and then he did this and then he did this and I'm just like why Maybe it would be different if I actually read the book, but I feel like part of the all the details is that you, you know, I was going somewhere with it and I don't know. <laughs> I thought like, I, I feel like maybe it could be interpreted as like being descriptive, right? You're trying to like show me, like show this person's life or like, it's like very like slice of life, you know, like this is yeah, one I- particular person's life however this every single day is the same thing though like every single day is like this description a certain type of writing and it helps you learn about his character and stuff that's also fair it is like a very specific style of writing and I think there's like an actual term for it too I just don't remember what the term is but it's like supposed to be like very you know like mechanical it's like purposefully done that way though like yeah it's on purpose but yeah but like going back to your other thing Harshini like the actual thing that you were talking about like with regards to the plot I think like the beginning part uh, Kafka was a little bit more interesting to me than Anakata um because I didn't see the connection between the mushroom thing 
like those chapters in between with the like with the it, it, it's like told as if it's like an interrogation like a police interrogation and I was like is this like another character like what's going on here like what's the significance of this and then I didn't realize until like finally it connects with Nakata and I'm like oh he's the guy who this happened to so like I was a little bit confused with that but like generally the first part I don't know I didn't I didn't really think that much of it um I thought like the thing with Kafka like potentially being a murderer I was like wait what and I think that's kind of like the big twist at the end of the first part and you're just like is he a murderer but then I was also like he was always suspicious honestly like he's kind of weird if you're running away from home because of an Oedipal prophecy like <laughs> major suspicions on you okay but also his dad like uh I don't know traumatized him by by bringing it up all the time and being like this is happening and I feel like if I was 15 years old and my dad's like I'm gonna you're gonna kill me and you're gonna have sex with your mom and your sister I'd be like oh shit you know at that point in life I should probably like not be here because I don't want to kill my no sure yeah no I like totally understand why he ran away I'm just saying that like if a prophecy says, I mean, first of all, where is this prophecy coming from? That's a big thing. Like, where <laughs> are we? Like, what decade are we in? <laughs> but, but yeah, but like, I also was kind of like, eh, I don't know, like, kind of, he always just seems like a little off. Like, even with, um, is her name Sakura? Saku? Sakura. Sakura yeah. yeah like even his relationship with her like she's very clearly trying to be like all platonic and he's just like control yourself yeah. okay I, yeah I will say like one thing that really irks me about Kafka maybe this is just men but like I'm just like you're fucking disgusting like why do you why do you get horny over it? literally fucking everything literally like legitimately I was like like he's just so gross this is what I'm saying like he's such an asshole but I'm like it's not just like no it's not all men are like that like they can't be I I don't know how men think I'm just like if that's that's how they think then that's kind of gross yeah I feel like I but I feel like you know like it's one of those things where I'm like drawing a connection back to the main guy in gold diggers Neil oh my god he he was an asshole (laughs) go-to is dial a for aunties and then your go-to is gold diggers Okay, listen, or, I like Dialy for Aunties too. Like, I really enjoyed that book also. Okay. The, the gold diggers in that book, both five stars from me. But like, but like, okay, Neil and, and Gold Diggers was also an asshole. Like, I feel like him and Kafka are like kind of similar in the sense that they're like always thinking about this one thing and you're just like, oh God. And like, I don't know, there was like kind of like a weird prophecy thing going on in that book also, but like. I don't know. I just thought like both of them are just like Kafka is so gross. Like 15 year old boys, they're all gross. Yeah, he is gross. Also, Harshini, what did you think? Yeah, I was like, can I get a word in? No, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, going all the way back to what I knew 
Pooja had a problem with all the detail. I was like reading the details. Like Pooja's gonna have a problem with this. I see. I see why. But um, yeah, it didn't bother me that much. I think again, like I didn't really know what was going on, and I feel like maybe there could have been a little bit less. Like I generally think if this book was a bit shorter, like it would just be maybe more. Um, I don't know. A lot of people do like it, but a little bit more like. I don't know, easy to get through and people could like it, like more people could like it more if, you know, there was still like, I still enjoy reading detail into people's lives and getting to know them in that way. But if it was more related to the things that were like central to the plot and, you know, I don't know, like it's, it's hard because I think I don't know. It, in this kind of writing, I think this is Haruki Murakami's style of writing. And, you know, not everything is super tied to the plot. And even, as I said, I wrote down everything that happened. And then at the end, I was kind of like, I didn't have to do this because this is not like the point of this book is not necessarily to, I guess, like bring together this very clear plot. It's more, I think, like, the writing itself and just like the different things that are explored through his journey I just think because his journey was so weird and not very like you know it's not just like humans living their lives it's like crazy magical stuff happening and like prophecy stuff I I was at least glad that not just I don't know the Oedipus complex is actually something I explored in a paper when I was in high school because I was oh like, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the paper. I'm just saying I like was intrigued by it, which is so weird. <laughs> but um, I am glad that there was, I don't know, there's just like relationships to other things that I found interesting. And so that, I didn't realize it was going to be such a central part of the book. The thing I do want to talk about, and maybe this is getting towards the end of the book, this is what I still don't completely understand. I found myself getting more and more into the book when I realized um, Nakata kills this weird guy I talked about, Johnny Walker. And then we also find out, you know, I also mentioned the fact that like um, Kafka wakes up with blood on him. And I was thinking like once we kind of get more insight into the prophecy and all like there something about them is like actually connected and like um Kafka passing out was like him kind of entering into Nakata's body and then killing this guy Johnny Walker and Nakata thinks it's Johnny Walker but it's actually Kafka's dad who's this famous sculptor dude or something and I was like wow that's so cool but by the end, I didn't really think that that's actually what happened. I don't know. May like, maybe I didn't fully understand things, but I don't think that's actually what happened. But I was really thinking, oh, this makes sense because Nakata also, like, he sleeps for a really long time. And so maybe they're, like, switching between the bodies. But I don't know, Sarah, you explain to me what actually happened. Yeah, okay. I remember the first time reading this book, I was at that point where it was like Nakata had killed Johnny Walker and um and Kafka woke up with blood on his shirt I was like so excited and I texted Pooja and I was like oh my god 
this book is so cool because I was like, this is how these paths, like the, now the author is going to show how these paths are linked because like clearly they're linked if, if the blood transferred from Nakata to um, Kafka. So like my reasoning is that they are linked because at least to me, because both of them have like half a shadow and like, to me, that was like together, they make one, one shadow. And like that shows that they're like linked together. I don't, I remember Nakata being like, I had to kill Johnny Walker because the person that was supposed to didn't do it. And like, so Nakata was just doing what Kafka was supposed to do. Um, I don't know where I was going with this point, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if that provides any insight or that's what you already knew. <laughs> that's what I got from it. Yeah, I do remember that part. And I was like, oh, okay. I kind of forgot about like that specific line. But yeah, I think it makes sense that like somehow, I don't know, like some Nakara has some sort of special thing where he can like know these things or I guess execute these things that are happening within Kafka's life I don't know I mean I think because also like I mean we didn't get to this but like um Colonel Sanders is not like a legit entity so he can't do things so I would imagine that like if they want things done like that a human has to do they go through Nakada interesting yeah, Colonel Sanders and the stone, <laughs> that is definitely next. But yeah, Pujo, you respond. No, I was just going to say, like, I low-key, like, for the longest time thought Nakara wasn't a real person. <laughs> like, I thought he was, like, a figment of, like, someone's imagination, presumably Kafka's imagination. Because, like, he's like always reading books and shit and like he spent so much time alone and I was like is he just like thinking of this dude or something he definitely did not have the same interpretation I know I because that's definitely like, I, I mean that's definitely wrong <laughs> no I know okay I know I know I'm just saying like in the beginning like I genuinely thought that like he was just like a figment of imagination because like I don't know like he's just like a guy who like talks to cats and shit and I was like oh like is he like is this like a dream sequence like what because like this man clearly dreams a lot like Kafka like he has a lot of weird dreams and I was like oh maybe maybe this is like one of his other dreams but then like I don't know when they like intersect and like the whole thing with like Nakara also meeting Miss Seiki and like you know, like, you know, Kafka's relationship with Miseki is obviously very different than Nakata's relationship with Miseki and like that whole thing. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes more sense. But yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I still like, this is just, I genuinely don't really understand what went on in this book. Like, I, I can't even answer your question because I don't know what, like, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm like, the vibes were interesting, but like, I couldn't tell you what the deeper meaning is. I have no idea. Yeah, I think that's where, like, I, I'm glad that all of that was brought up and it, like, became interesting from then on. I feel like if we had a bit more of a clear answer, which, again, it doesn't really fit with this book, though. Like, it wasn't the kind of book that was going to come out and say, 
and then like you know I don't know either like an epilogue or like explanation of the book I feel like from a lot of the books we have been reading we just really want an explanation <laughs> really carefully laid out by the author at the end of the book so anybody writing confusing books that's something to consider I know it's actually not really what I think books are for but for people like me who really want to know what went on in your head that uh that is something I would like but I think yeah I I see like the the and one thing I was trying to like think about is how is this all connected to like what happened to Nakata in his childhood because we also find out that the teacher I don't know this is like this part where like the teacher kind of explains all the stuff that happened she's very like worked up about something and then she ends up like hitting Nakara and we find out it's like him who is the kid who like she definitely played a part in it It wasn't just like all the other kids passing out so I guess there was some effect on him that was a little bit greater which made him kind of lose even all of his like mental ability and he kind of keeps saying like oh yeah I like don't I don't know how to read like he was a really smart kid before but then he kind of loses all of that and that you know he's a very endearing guy in that way I think but yeah it's I'm kind of like okay so how how did that make you a magical being I don't know but that's kind of how I view him so again unclear but the next things that happen We can kind of, we should get into Kafka and the library. Basically, he gets into, like, every day visits this specific private library and meets Oshima, who is this guy who's super nice, helps him out a lot, sets Kafka up with a job at the library when he meets Miss Seiki, who's the library owner. Um, And yeah, and... I don't know. What did you guys think about Oshima as a character? I think Oshima was an interesting character. Miseki, I don't know. And there, there's also Miseki's love story and all of that. So any, any things you wanted to talk about there? I, okay. I personally think Oshima was my favorite character in this entire um, book. First of all, because he's just so helpful. Like he's so like, you know, like offers him a job, offers him a place to stay. I thought the very, like that, the inclusion of the fact that he has like that very rare blood disorder where like he can't bleed, but then like, he's like super, you know, into driving and like, is like, yeah, like I love speeding or something. And I was like, okay, (laughs) good for you. the also like there was like another part of this book where Oshima is actually a trans man. So like he was like born biologically female, but then um, like pre- like presents himself as male. Um, and then like that there was like this little like commentary where like he has this card that like shows that like his like biological gender identity is like different than the way that like he perceives himself. And it's like a very, like given the fact that this book is like, I think from like 2006 or something, um, 
it's so it's not like super old or anything but like still like the conversation about like gender identity was quite like for like a book written back then the inclusion of this character I thought was like surprising because a lot of books that I read like I don't know before 2015 don't have much diversity in them at all so I thought that was quite interesting um and like good to see um but yeah but actually this portion of the book where he's in the library I thought was like the most interesting um just because there's like that like weird I don't know like you get it you don't really know who Miss Seiki is you don't really know like her relationship to any of the other characters and then when you find out like what her relationship is to Kafka I thought that was like a really good twist I think I was like seeing that it was like gonna happen because I'm like I don't know there's like two female characters in this book so I'm like who is it gonna be <laughs> like there's only two of them. and like one of them I assumed that that was like Sakura was his sister but then like it turned out not really um but like Miseki being the mom I was like oh okay that's a that's a good one but yeah I just I thought this was like the most interesting part to me at least this was like the most interesting part but Sarah what did you think well I personally don't think it was the most interesting part but I, I, I do agree that I like Oshima. I think, like, I don't know, whenever Kafka asks him questions, I, you could tell that he thinks about the answers and I like the answers that he gives. He's just very reflective and introspective and, I don't know, a cool person. <laughs> I like Miss Seiki because... I don't know. She's also like down to earth, like Oshima. And um, I don't know, they're very much realists. I feel like they kind of ground the book from its weirdness. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like them. Yeah, I think I definitely, I don't know. I, I like cool vibes as you may have picked up from the last book even though you know ghost ghost story is very different but anyway this book I really liked the vibes of the library I was like I want to go to this library <laughs> and just, I don't know I just really thought it was cute that Kafka went there every day and just like read a lot of books and I think I don't know just like the little part of like you know I, I don't know if it was explicitly said, but just the fact that, like, I, I kind of thought about, like, you can really learn a lot from just reading books, and, like, I don't know, it's it was cool, because obviously this kid is, like, he's 15, he's no longer in school, but he is learning quite a bit and reading quite a lot, so good for him, but I thought the interesting part um, was definitely once we kind of learned about this, like, Miseki's story, which Oshima tells Kafka that, you know, Miseki had this really, like, he, he starts talking about soulmates and, like, kind of introduces that topic and then talks about how Miseki had a soulmate that she met when she was younger, but then he was basically killed by this group of people. Um, and I thought it was really interesting to just, like, I don't know, the whole idea, I, I think this idea comes more later, but just like 
the idea that like she's kind of stuck in that past moment even though I think you know everyone is kind of like oh who's my soulmate and that's something that like you always kind of you know in a lot of books even like kind of try to find that one person but just the fact that like you know she was able to find that but then it's like now in her past and she's never gonna kind of get that back and now she's kind of just like lost her other half and you know we kind of find out that she's really like she's ready to go and she's like just depressed throughout I think the entire book basically um which is quite sad but I just thought it was interesting to like that that part of her background was interesting to me yeah I mean, it was a really sad background, but um, it was really interesting. And I feel like uh, her past and then her present, like, it was like it matched. Like, it wasn't like, uh, like, it made sense that this is the way that she is because of her past. It wasn't like her, like, her past was really sad and now she's like a really happy person or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's like that whole thing where like um, they say something about her, uh, like her life ended when she was 20 or like she hasn't like moved on since she was 20. And yeah, and there's that whole like the song that's related to Kafka's name. It's like called Kafka on the Shore. And like that's the song that like brings her back to her memories of her past and that sort of thing. And it's like the title of the book connection <laughs> but yeah you know I at the beginning I was kind of like where is the shore <laughs> like we know Kafka <laughs> I was like how is he on the shore he's not on the beach but then once they talked about that I was like okay I see what you did there but yeah it was, it was interesting then we also on the other side had um Nakara and he meets he's basically once he kills johnny walker he admits to the murder but the police officer he talks to does not believe him so then he kind of goes and starts like trying to get away from this town and hitchhikes all the way to another town and on this way he meets hoshino and am i saying (laughs) okay Hoshino and Nagara were my favorites. I was like, you guys are so cute. Like, Hoshino's like more younger, on the younger side. I don't know. I assumed he was like late 20s kind of character. He's a truck driver. And he basically like picks up Nagara and (laughs) he's just like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do my job anymore. I'm just gonna take a few days off and I'm just gonna follow this man because he is just so interesting and I'm never bored with him. And I was like, wow, you know, you're, you're really nice for doing that. I don't know how he's gonna like get a job back and everything, but you know, I'm glad that he stuck around and became kind of a lasting character through the rest of the book because I I thought it was very, I don't know, the relationship was just like friendship goals, what we all love to see. So <laughs> very heartwarming. I agree. I was living for that romance. I honestly feel like, like my favorite parts of this book were like them hanging out and like, I don't know, just doing stuff together. It was 
so wholesome, especially because there are two very different types of people, but they vibe so well. And it was like, this is sweet. Like, I, I like this. <laughs> yeah, Hoshino was so like, I just, he was just so like, go with the flow. Like the fact that he just sees this guy and then he like literally for the purpose of like hitchhiking is like, oh, okay. And then like gets like into conversation with him, blah, blah, blah. And then it's just like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to help you like through whatever journey you need to like complete by the end of this or whatever. Like, I'm going to help you with everything. I'm just going to like, he, he seems like such a, like a trustworthy person. Like I was like, I guess like maybe this is maybe this reflects more on me than than the book but I was like thinking that like he might take advantage of him like he might like you know like he something bad will happen like I don't know like I was like this old man needs a lot of help okay like don't don't screw him over don't steal his money or whatever but <laughs> literally every single guy not gonna met like I was so worried like when he was hitchhiking and but every single person was like friendly like nice and like didn't screw him over and I was like damn wow this is utopian society right here like what the hell <laughs> but yeah big fan of Hoshino also I, I liked him he was he was chill then we get to the part of Colonel Stan Sanders and the entrance stone y'all i was so confused about what this entrance stone was i started to like see some like i was like okay you know i started to have some inklings of what it could be but the whole like process of getting the stone <laughs> and then turning over the stone that was all very like weird but you know i didn't i definitely didn't hate it but i just was confused a little bit <laughs> so, um that yeah what did you think sarah what were your thoughts about that whole part tell us give us your wisdom <laughs> i remember it the first time well okay it is really confusing but to me i mean because the entrance stone is linked to that place that, I mean, I guess we didn't get to this in the summary yet, but the place that um, Kafka goes to in the middle of the woods. And uh, I guess Miss Psyche, like when she was younger, like opened this entrance stone and then messed things up because of the man that she was in love with back in the day and then Kafka had to go in there to set things straight and then Nakada was helping make this happen by opening the entrance stone I don't know I just like I'd like there's so many interplays between the two like I mean I guess it's one big story but between the like too many storylines and it's just like what I love so much about this book like oh like Nakata and Hoshino are like in this different place but they're also like impacting the other story through like things like opening the entrance stone and stuff and I just like really like the interplay of the 
two storylines. Yeah, definitely. That was really cool. Yeah, I totally forgot about that part. So, like, you know, let's skip ahead on the other storyline. <laughs> like Kafka goes back to the forest where, you know, Oshima kind of has this little almost cabiny house kind of thing in the middle of the forest. And Kafka, Kafka kind of explores into the woods and finds this place. So, yeah, I guess I want to ask about, like, what what exactly did he set right so i yeah i i forgot about that part where miseki like opened this entrance stone when she was younger and then she kind of i was thinking oh like you know she's kind of going there because it seems like a middle like purgatory kind of place before like actual death but yeah i was kind of confused about what kafka did there yeah, I honestly am a little confused too. I guess I I forgot it was like a kind of purgatory place. I mean, maybe Miss Psyche went, like maybe when, like her soulmate died, she went there so she could see him, like one more time. I'm honestly confused about Kafka. Like, it seems like Miss Psyche is his mom, but also like her soulmate back when she was 15 and so yeah I guess I don't I also don't really understand what he he said right I guess like he was meant to meet her again like in this purgatory place and then somehow that set things right but yeah I'm a little unclear on that part (laughs) Yeah, because I know, like, he meets, like, a teenage version of her there, and they kind of, like, become really, like, close and everything, and, like, but then she, as an older, like, her present-day self also comes back there to tell him, hey, you need to go, like, you should leave before this, like, closes again, because, like, you need to live your life, Um, and that sort of thing, so, like, I get, I think it, like it definitely is this idea like some sort of like purgatory place where like if you enter and it like closes then you're like there forever um so I think like I think that is like kind of related to the fact that like Nisiki never like moved on since she was 20 because I feel like herself in that purgatory place is like equivalent to like her emotional self right Mm -hmm. like it's like she has never left this area she is like an emotional purgatory basically um for the past I don't know how many years but yeah I I do think it's like I don't know it's so surreal in the sense that there's so many layers like there's like a physical layer there's like the emotional layer and there's like so many other things so like this purgatory place impacts people emotionally but it can also be like a very physical place where if you don't leave here then like you will stay here forever and like be this age forever and like never leave so I don't know. It, it, it's like very clever. I, I will I will give Haruki Murakami that. <laughs> it's like a clever, clever thing. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that part because I definitely also got that sense that Kafka was kind of Miseki's soulmate. And of course, you know, they like slept together so many times. And yeah honestly I don't know and I I don't know I don't want to jump ahead too much but I guess my overall kind of thoughts around this 
prophecy thing is I, I always find prophecies very interesting, like a big part of Percy Jackson stuff, which is my jam. But I think I think it's interesting when you kind of like, you know, you hear a prophecy and then you're almost like you kind of want it to happen almost. So I was wondering if that's kind of part of what Kafka went through. You know, he I guess I guess Sakura like kind of said that like oh you're my brother kind of thing but they're not actually siblings but he almost kind of it like the prophecy was fulfilled in the sense that he was like oh yes you're my sister and then jump ahead you know raped her in a dream which I don't know if that was actually like counting as fulfilling the prophecy there were like a lot of caveats there but it seemed like the way that that happened it was almost like you know he his mind almost wants it to kind of happen or maybe it's like it was meant to happen in some weird way and so you know that was like the other forces kind of controlling it I don't know that that was my kind of reasoning (laughs) I I also am confused I just took it as like the prophecy did happen even if it wasn't like like in real life it was still like he wanted to do it and then he felt like he did do it because like he come from his dream and stuff I don't know uh I get I guess it's hard to say whether it was actually like the prophecy was bound to happen or he wanted it to happen. I feel like he didn't or I guess he didn't want it to happen per se, but like he did it because he thought it needed to happen. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, I think like for like a lot of the time he was just worried that like every like every female character he interacts with is like either his sister or his mom (laughs) so I think like he was I don't know like I I definitely think that he it was like one of those self-fulfilling prophecies like the fact that he just thought about it so much like that it just like needed to happen otherwise like he wouldn't be able to like function in his life so he's just like you know what like I'll you know subconsciously he was probably thinking like yeah like maybe if I like finally fulfill this and I'm like I'm free from this prophecy like I don't need to worry about it afterwards or something like that I don't know it was still like that like that one scene where he like dreams of raping Sakura I was like (laughs) like it's so gross like I don't know I don't know Kafka is like I still think like this is going to sound counterintuitive, but like, I still think Kafka is like a very interesting character though. Like, I don't understand what motivates him other than this prophecy. Like, I'm like, it's very unclear to me of like why he does things or why he thinks the way that he does. Like, you don't necessarily get a lot of like insight into like why Kafka does things. You get a lot of like description of what he does. You don't necessarily get a lot of explanation for like why he does what he does. Or like why he might say something or whatever um which makes him like a little bit closed off as a character but you're still kind of like it's like a train wreck you can't look away from you're just like oh 
what is he going to do now? Like, how is he going to ruin something now? <laughs> I just, I'm so curious. Yeah. Yeah, he is definitely, that's a good point. I feel like, yeah, he does a lot of things. You're just like, why? But I, yeah, I do think, you know, his actions and just like the overall, I guess, happenings of the book with like the things that Nakata does and everything, like it kind of all does move towards this prophecy in a weird way. So honestly, other than that, I have, I have no answers, <laughs> but um, yeah, overall, I thought it was very strange, but I, I definitely agree with what Sarah has been saying about, I thought it was really interesting to see those two storylines. And I think, you know, you do get a lot of insight into a lot of different characters, but you also see them like interact with specific people. And I think just learning about all these characters was very interesting and all like the weird stuff that happened. Also, we didn't even talk about the fact that Nakata made fish fall from the sky and stuff. That's what I mean. I don't know how he got these powers, but he seems cool. I'm, I'm like, dang, I want to meet you one day. <laughs> if, only, if only he were real. I know. All right. Any other thoughts or things that we didn't get to in this book? Honestly, we covered a lot here, but anything else y'all had to talk about? All right. Any final thoughts from you, Pooja? What has this discussion at all changed anything for you or if you do feel the same way? tell us more <laughs> I <laughs> I still like I still feel the same way I feel like you don't feel the same way you're just like no I love this book now <laughs> no I the thing is I had such a so much trouble with like like once I closed the book I was like oh this is like a very interesting book like I've never really read anything like it and I I enjoyed it I think afterwards when I was reflecting, I was kind of like, this is what I mean. I feel like part of me just wants to know the answers. And if it's left ambiguous in a way that's like like a cliffhanger type of thing, that is like one thing that I can appreciate and enjoy. This I can also kind of appreciate, but I'm also kind of mad just because I need to know a little bit more than what I do now I just need a little more clarity for me to really be like yes I am like five out of five for this book but also I guess in general I'm just very picky and this podcast has brought it out even more someone whenever people ask me about like my favorite books from this podcast I just tell them like I'm just so picky so we have yet to find my five-star book but hopefully we will I don't know how many episodes it will take but maybe we will but Sarah oh, any, oh yeah go ahead <laughs> Sorry. the third time I'm literally the worst of this trap okay wait sorry uh, Sarah I'll I'll just I'll just finish my thoughts real fast and then you could go. Um, I know you're going to completely disagree with anything I say anyway. So <laughs> it's fine. 
Um, okay, but the thing is, like, I will say, like, my rating is still the same, but I don't consider three stars to be bad. I know in the beginning you had mentioned, like, oh, like, why I was expecting you to give lower than three stars. And I'm like, well, I don't think Haruki Murakami is a bad writer. Like, I do think that, like, he wrote one of my favorite books of all time in addition. And then he also wrote this book, which is not, like, far from the worst book I've ever read. Definitely, like, it's it's a solid piece of writing as you, we have discussed like connections being made characters that are like so out there and weird and I realize like for someone who keeps saying that like they don't necessarily like like absurdism or like magical realism I do read a lot of weird books like I have read like very strange things that might be even weirder than this book but like I don't know I just I, like this particular one just like I think I just couldn't get past like the certain mundane details that I just felt like took up a lot of space and you're just like can we just skip I get it like he did his laundry today cool like let's move on from that so I don't really know I think generally speaking um I think this discussion did kind of like bring about a lot of stuff that I found like I guess like I forgot that that was like quite an interesting take so I do appreciate that we had this discussion because I feel like this book deserves to be discussed like I feel like if you don't discuss it you're just like in a haze of like what happened I don't really know I think it like it you need to have like a follow-up discussion about this book to like for it to like make more sense I also think maybe like reading it multiple times will also help I don't know it's one of those kind of books um but yeah Sarah what did you think overall any last thoughts nope i still love it nothing can change that <laughs> okay wait i actually had one one thing that i did want to briefly discuss it just came to mind can huh, we we're gonna, we were rabbit no okay <laughs> <laughs> okay so a major criticism for haruki murakami books in general is that his female characters seem to lack depth like uh, they like a lot of the times, like a lot of people have said that like anytime Haruki Murakami writes a female character, it's like very like overly sexualized. Um, the character is very overly sexualized or like, um, I don't know, they lack depth. They're very like one dimensional or like they're just kind of there for like a very specific purpose. Um, so yeah, and a lot of people have criticized this and I will like, I do see where they're coming from. I do think that like of, I've read four books of his so far, two short story collections and two novels. And I feel like in general, a lot of the like female characters that are like created in these books tend to be kind of like one dimensional um, and like, I don't know, like kind of weird or not weird, but like very very much there to serve a purpose related to the male character I just wanted to see if you guys thought that with this book like did you feel like of the two main female characters there was you know something off about them or like did you not feel that or do you disagree agree that sort of thing I just wanted to know yeah I guess I wouldn't even I mean yeah they're definitely like main parts of the book but especially Sakura I, I like I know she's like a pretty significant part of the book but I didn't really view her as super duper central and as in you know I just don't think she was given a lot of space in the book that was you know yeah I, I would 
say that because I I do think that she was like in a few scenes but in general she wasn't as big of a part of the book as definitely Nisaki was I think yeah since you bring that up like I would probably agree with that assessment I do think you know we heard a lot about Nisaki's past and I think her storyline was interesting but I definitely wouldn't say she had a lot of depth as a character and I, I'm not necessarily mad about that. I guess I didn't know about this criticism. I haven't read any other of his books, but I would say I wasn't super bothered by it in this book because I saw, you know, the male characters as the main characters, which is fine. You know, sometimes there's a lot of female characters in a book, so it's just kind of a function of what the story is about. But I can also... I mean, yeah, I, I guess it kind of goes back to like the grossness of being in a male's mind, which I talked about, <laughs> not liking being in a 15-year-old's mind in Gold Diggers, like same kind of thing. And I guess, especially in that lens, it was definitely weird um, to see like their perception of these women. We didn't really talk about like the um the woman who came like the prostitute from the weird Colonel Sanders situation but like that was another that was like a very specific situation when this woman was being described where I was just like and and I feel like yeah she like kind of served that purpose that was like the point I guess but I don't know what relevance it really served but it was you know part of that whole weird situation that Hoshino was going through and I do think I like can see a lot of maybe those criticisms especially with regards to her who was like the third of like only three like females mentioned in the book so yeah I can I guess I can see that yeah, I can see it. I mean, I yeah, I definitely agree that the prostitute and um, Sakura definitely didn't have any depth and they were mainly sexualized. I feel like Miss Seiki did have some depth. I mean, I think the prostitute and Sakura were also not huge characters, so I wouldn't really expect any depth from them. I think Miss Seiki did have depth. I guess she was also sexualized, but I think there was also a lot of sexualization in the book in general. So I don't know. I personally didn't find it too like offensive and stuff. Although I do know that every time I read a book by a male author they usually get female characters wrong and they usually don't give them like a whole lot of depth and stuff um I don't know I I I wouldn't say it's like a huge part that in the book that I don't like and I honestly didn't really it didn't really occur to me until you said it so yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think like because a lot of the plot was focused on these two guys, you don't 
like they're they're like they get the most screen time or page time or whatever so like you don't necessarily think about the other female characters or like the other characters in general but I I would say that like I don't know like I I just felt like Kafka's over sexualization like generally like his own internal sexualization of like every single female character he interacts with is like you can you you just like kind of think of like oh that's just like a 15 year old like why are they always so gross um and yeah and like I I don't know I don't read a lot of like books with like teenage protagonists generally so like I haven't and I guess I also like subconsciously tend to read a lot of books by women anyway (laughs) but but yeah but I just like I think like in this particular case it was just it was like more about the fact that he was a teenager and like that played a large role in like the over sexualization of like Sakura and like Miseki and like I guess the other female character I'm not really sure but yeah but that is I do think it is still like a valid criticism I think I would need to read a few more books of his to really get like a sense. I think like the other novel that I read, that one definitely that character was way over sexualized, but then we were like, I don't know. I still like, see, I don't know, maybe this like, maybe I have to like reevaluate whether I like that book or not. Norwegian would. <laughs> I have to like reevaluate whether I like it or not. I have to read it again or something. Cause like I, ha- I, I don't have enough information to like make a solid judgment. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I was thinking about the fact that we read just a lot of books about women and also by women. (laughs) So I was even thinking about that too. And so in that case, I'm like, okay, we got a story about some male characters, one questionable, the other not gonna create. So you know, since since he included Nakura and Hoshino, I'm I'm satisfied. <laughs> but um, all right, we will wrap up this discussion. And Pooja, what are we reading next? All right. So after I gave this whole discussion about reading books by women, we're going to read a book by a woman. Um, <laughs> this book, in a change of events, I'm going to suggest not a weird book. I'm going to suggest a romantic comedy. I felt like we needed some comedy and some romance in this podcast. We've read a lot of spooky things. Now that, you know, spooky season is wrapping up, we are going to shift into uh, November, which, uh, I don't know, we're just going to kick it off with a nice romantic comedy. It's called You Had Me at Ola by Alexis Daria. Um, And yeah, I don't really know much about it. All I know is that it has... uh, the book is about, uh, it has like an all Latinx cast of characters um, because Alexis Daria is also a Latinx author. Um, yeah, so it should be interesting. The cover is gorgeous. This was totally one of those picks where I was like, the cover looks good. I'm gonna judge a book by its cover. Cover looks nice. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna choose it. Um, so yeah, that's what, we're, that's what we're gonna read next week. Awesome. Yeah, excited for some rom-com time and, you know, definitely different different vibes. So that'll be fun from all of the spookiness and weirdness we have been talking about. Although the week after, I am not going to promise that 
<laughs> we're not gonna go back to that but that's okay that's for another time so thanks everyone for listening and i hope you have a good rest of your day evening whatever bye bye bye